welcome to 2021, my spooky friends. It's yours truly, the Pumpkin Queen here, back at it again with episode two of After the Ever, your podcast dedicated to all things paranormal and macabre. Today, we're going to travel down that cryptid rabbit hole. Quick disclaimer, this episode will contain violence, gore, and death. So real quick, before we get started, this is a redo of episode two. I published it, hated it, scrapped it, and here we are. I just want to make sure that I do this Reddit user justice by reading her story. She put a ton of time into this, and I just want to make sure I get it right. I really appreciate all you guys hanging in there with me. All right, all right, let's get into it. So what legends were you told as a child that kept you from playing in the woods? What will you tell your own children? Will you tell them the tales of Sasquatch? Or maybe you'll tell them the legend of the Wendigo. Maybe you don't have children at all, but you're just curious. But you know what they say about being curious. Curiosity killed the cat. But maybe you do want to find out what lurks in the woods behind your home or even just on the road. Today's episode, I'll chat about the legend I was told when I was growing up, and I have a Reddit user's incredible encounter that would make a bedtime story that would deter any child from going into the woods. Or it would even make a great reminder that the next time you're out for your evening stroll on the trails behind your home, you might not be alone. So for me growing up, It was the legend of the Michigan Dogman. Now, I can't really remember how this legend was actually retold to me, but as a kid, I knew one thing. My friends and I were all told the same story. The story of the half-man, half-dog beast that would hunt us down and eat us if we ventured too far into the woods. Now, I don't know if my parents just told me that, to make sure I was home by dinner time, but I know I got scared at night. There was no way I was going into the woods with my friends or alone. I was kind of a scaredy cat. Now that I think about it, I think I still am a scaredy cat. I sleep with a nightlight. Yeah, pretty sure that's me. Sleeping with a nightlight, 36 years old. Holy crap. Folklore about the Michigan Dogman. So the first sighting was reported in 1887, somewhere in Wexford County, Michigan, when two lumberjacks saw the creature. They described it as standing about seven feet tall, having a man's body, but a dog's head. It was also told that the dogman's howl can only be described as a human scream. Yikes! Okay, according to legend... The Michigan Dogman appears in a 10-year cycle, and those years must end in the number 7. Sightings have been reported in several locations throughout Michigan, but primarily the sightings are in the northwestern part of the Lower Peninsula. That's a mouthful. The next actual documented encounter of the Dogman was in 1937 in Paris, Michigan. Robert Fortney was attacked by five wild dogs, and he said that one of the five dogs 
walked on two legs. All right, this is why I'm a scaredy cat. If I saw a dog that was about to attack me and stood up on two legs, I think I would lose it. Yeah, no. Moving on. All right, so that was my urban legend. Now let's get into two cryptid encounters from a Reddit user by the name of Major Amore. You can find this Reddit user in the show notes below. I'll make sure that I link her username. She's fantastic. I'm super excited to read this story. Kind of nervous since it didn't go so well the first time. But let's see. We'll get it right. And now a story from the Reddit user Major Amore. Cryptids. A popular subject amongst horror fans everywhere and the basis of many popular stories and movies in the mainstream media. However, these creatures we have come to know and even romanticize are very much real and far more abundant than most people would care to realize. Oh, sorry. I tend to get a bit carried away when I type. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Lily Johnson, and I have worked as a dedicated cryptid hunter and cryptozoologist for the past eight years of my life. I started my work at the age of 18 after graduating high school. During that time, I was simultaneously also pursuing a career in education in cryptozoology. I did that in order to further expand my knowledge on these mysterious creatures. From an early age, I have loved these beasts, spending countless hours and many sleepless nights reading books about monsters, scrolling through all the cryptid websites, wikis, and exploring the popular scary story sites such as No Sleep on Reddit. I'd like to begin by describing my first ever cryptid encounter. I can remember it like it was just yesterday. This encounter became the catalyst that ultimately led me into my field work. I was only 12 years old at the time, but I was already well acquainted with cryptids and the lore surrounding them. However, I had actually never believed in their existence until one day when I was going for my routine evening stroll down one of the trails on my family's property. I was quite deep into the woods when I suddenly heard the familiar crack of a large limb somewhere ahead of me. Somewhere close. I froze. Despite my young age, I was no idiot. I knew that cougars and black bears weren't uncommon in the countryside where I lived, but it was the last thing I wanted to do. Draw the attention of whatever may be lurking ahead. I fixed my hearing in the direction I had heard the branch snap, eyes wide, and all senses were heightened. My eyes were darting back and forth between the trees in search of any signs of movement. A few minutes passed, and just when I was about to proceed down the trail, I heard another loud crack. And this time, it was accompanied by the crunching of leaves. As if something was making its way towards me, My body began to shake in fear, and I suddenly found myself rooted in place, unable to will myself to do anything except stare in the direction 
of the rapidly approaching steps, praying that whatever it was would not notice my presence. Just as I thought I could not bear the suspense for a second longer, I saw it. The creature lumbered out of the woods, only yards from where I stood. A massive, broad-shouldered beast, covered in shaggy, matted fur, standing at least eight feet tall. As the creature turned towards me, I was able to get a good look at the features of its face. Its flat, human-like features. Its wide nose and the incredibly human-like eyes that shone with an intelligence that no bear or cougar could ever possess. I immediately recognized the beast as a Sasquatch, a real, living, breathing Sasquatch, and it was standing only a few feet away from me. Its stance was not threatening, nor did it appear to be threatened by my presence, but instead, it appeared to be curious just as inquisitive of me as I was of it. Once I realized it was not a direct threat to me, I relaxed, and my brain instantly switched from a state of primal fear to an intellectual state of mind as I studied the physical features of the Sasquatch, analyzing every small detail. It was like nothing that I had ever been led to believe. Its features were far more human than ape. Its long fur was a reddish russet color, not the dark brown I had become accustomed to. It gazed at me with what appeared to be compassion, and I swear I could see a small smile form at the corners of its thin lips before turning and lumbering off into the depths of the thick woods. And in that moment, I realized I wanted to spend the rest of my life dedicated to studying these mysterious beasts. Now, I suppose I should clarify that although I am a cryptid hunter, I do everything in my power to avoid actually killing these beasts that I have come to love so dearly. My primary work comes in the form of research as a degree certified cryptozoologist. In case you didn't know, cryptozoologists typically study the folklore behind cryptids themselves, and they compile research on various sightings and reports that have been made in an effort to find concrete evidence of their existence. However, a select few cryptozoologists, such as myself, are able to physically study cryptids through highly classified government research facilities be it in their natural habitat, in captivity, or on the autopsy table. And these scientists are considered the most profound in this field of work. I personally have a strong preference for the research aspect of my work, but I also get a thrill from hunting down cryptids from the reported cases I receive through the agency I work with, which we will simply call the agency for confidentiality purposes. In most of these cases, violence is not necessary, as many cryptids are docile by nature and generally non-threatening to people. They usually can be captured and relocated to more remote areas where there is no human activity. However, 
in more serious cases where a cryptid is exhibiting threatening, inherently violent behavior, there is no other choice but to either detain the creature or humanely euthanize it, depending on the specific cryptid that is being dealt with. Wendigos are one of the many examples of monstrosities that have been mandated as euthanized on-site cases, and they have proven to be one of the most dangerous creatures out of any I have hunted thus far. One of the first encounters I ever had with a Wendigo was so deeply horrifying and traumatic that it actually left me temporarily incapacitated and seriously questioning my career choice as a cryptid hunter. I received the call early one crisp winter morning and I was informed by my chief that an alleged Wendigo attack had been reported at a state park where there had been several coinciding disappearances over the past several months. I dragged myself groggily out of bed, threw on some casual clothes and my good work boots, supplied myself with a generous amount of coffee before heading to the site. Upon my arrival, I met with one of the park rangers to inform them of my intentions. Using the fabricated story, I told the ranger I worked with animal control and believed the creature behind the attack was a mountain lion. After receiving permission to proceed with the hunt, I began my trek in the direction of the hiker's remains. After about 20 minutes of treading down the trail, I noticed the bright orange glare of a hiking vest up ahead, and I began to proceed forward with prudent vigilance, listening intently for any movement or other signs of life that could indicate the creature's presence. I also cautiously readied my hand over my pistol. I soon found myself entering a small clearing and could more distinctly observe the mangled remains of the helpless hiker. My eyes began watering as the smell of putrid death overwhelmed my senses. It was a young man splayed out in the center of the clearing. His abdomen had been savagely ripped open and disemboweled, the hiker's entrails spilling out in a grotesque mound of organs, encircling his mangled corpse. His limbs had been brutally ripped away from his body, leaving nothing more than shredded stumps of flesh and splintered bone fragments where the appendages should have been. Most horrifying of all was his face, the skin of which had been crudely peeled away to reveal the underlining muscle and fascia, and the poor man's eyes, ugh, bulging outward, his lipless mouth gaping in an immortalized scream of excruciating pain and terror, his teeth stained in his own bloodied saliva and chunks of flesh. Upon closer inspection, I was surprised to see that his organs, though ripped out and strung around the mutilated corpse, were fully intact. It was clear that this particular Wendigo was especially savage for its kind, far more dangerous than any beast I had encountered in past hunts and I began to fear that I was not experienced 
nor well-equipped enough to take it on alone. My anxious thoughts were cut short by a sinister screech from somewhere behind me. Something similar to the shrill, piercing scream of an elk combined with the guttural roar of some prehistoric beast. I whipped around in the direction of the unearthly shriek and did not even have time to draw the pistol that was secured at my side before the beast was upon me. It was massive, a massive creature covered in thick black fur that reeked of death. Its head was the fleshless skull of a male deer, its body painfully emaciated from starvation, and its spindly limbs ending in long, sharp claws, reminiscent of steak knives. However, despite its severely malnourished frame, the beast possessed a supernatural strength, pinning me down helplessly to the ground as I vainly thrashed against it in an attempt to free myself. Forcing myself out of a frenzied panic, I quickly shifted into survival mode. Utilizing the training I had received through the agency and bringing my knee up forcefully into the creature's sunken abdomen, it grunted in response as the air left its lungs. My feeble human strength, not enough to cause substantial harm, but just enough to wind the creature and get it to loosen its grip, allowing me to pull my right arm free. I desperately fumbled for my gun with my newly freed hand when I felt the creature's long, jagged claws pierce through my shoulder. I cried out in anguish as the white, hot pain spread throughout my entire right arm, and I could feel the monster's claws hit the bone, but that did not deter me from shakily drawing my pistol from its holster, firing aimlessly silently pleading for the bullet to strike its intended target. No sooner had I fired my weapon than the beast looming over me lets loose another shriek of pain, signaling that my hit-or-miss shot had somehow found its mark. It drew back, rearing up on its spindly back limbs and removing its claw from my wounded shoulder giving me just enough time to scramble to my feet and move out of the creature's reach. It slammed its forelimbs forcefully back down in the spot I had been laying only seconds before, as a viscous black, bloody substance started dripping from the underside of its left foreleg. I steadied my weapon's aim directly at the creature's heart. Hate seething In the creature's gaze, it charged me once more and I fired, praying that I wouldn't miss the crucial shot. The beast instantly crumpled to the ground, blood spurting from the new wound in its chest, and let loose a final screech of frenzied rage as the light dimmed from the bright yellow orbs of its eyes and its body relaxed. Clutching my bleeding arm and staring intently at the creature laying at my feet, I pulled a small bottle of gasoline from my pocket and doused the beast's body in the flammable liquid. I backed away several yards to the edge of the clearing before pulling a lighter out of my pocket, flicking it to life 
and tossing it in the direction of the creature's slumped form. I watched numbly as the beast's body was set alight in a combustion of roaring flame and burning flesh, my mind in a state of palpable shock, and I only left the site once the creature had been reduced to no more than a pile of smoldering ash and charred bone. I would later find out that the major tendons in my shoulder had been severed and my clavicle shattered, leaving me unable to continue my work as a hunter for the next year while my injuries healed. And that caused me to slip into a spiral of deep depression. However, once I had fully recovered, I had come to the conclusion that this encounter was not going to hinder me from pursuing my passion as a hunter. Rather, it would fuel my desire to subdue these malicious beasts and aid me in better handling future confrontations with Wendigos and similar savage monstrosities. I think I'm going to end this first entry here. It's pretty late, and I have an early shift at the research lab tomorrow. But if you guys have any questions regarding either of my professions or have a specific cryptid you'd like me to discuss in a future update, please feel free to ask. Until my next entry, stay safe, and I'll be looking forward to hearing from you all. Well, my spooky friends, we did it. Episode two completed. And that's all she wrote for today's episode. For today's episode. For today's episode. A big, big shout out to the Reddit user, Major Amore. Thank you so much for your patience. If you want to hear more of her spooky stories, I'll leave her username in the show notes below. You guys have to go check her out. Thank you all so much for listening to today's story and hanging in there with me while I figure out this whole podcast, audio, editing, all this crazy stuff. So thank you for all of your words of encouragement. It's much appreciated. If you want to help support the podcast, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast app. Follow me on Instagram at AfterTheEver. Please don't forget to swing by the show's website, AfterTheEver.com, to find the contact me page if you have any listener stories or future episode suggestions. Thanks again to my spooky production team. Please check them out in the show notes below to find all of their personal links to their artwork and music. Thank you all again for listening. Look out for episode three. So until next time, stay spooky, my friends.